and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is, there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. Syncback Pro makes this problem go away permanently. Syncback Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents, and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly and reliably in the background. So if problems occur or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. The software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. And now, on with the show. Family man, Tom Ormerod, lives in Bournemouth on the south coast of England. When he's not standing knee-deep in water or doing an impression of a mountain goat on the side of a cliff, he works as an IT director and specialises in the education sector. He's always been around cameras and photography, but found his niche in 2017. Over the years, Tom has had all kinds of cameras, such as hand-me-down 35mm SLRs, early digital cameras, bridge cameras and DSLRs. It was the purchase of his Olympus OMD EM10 Mark II that really sparked his interest in the landscapes around him. He's well known on the south coast of England for his enthusiasm and friendliness, always willing to stop and chat with others, encouraging the social and well-being side of photography as much as the creative and technical aspects. Tom has been an active member of the Guild of Professional Photographers since 2019. He quickly achieved his qualified status and has since been submitting his work for assessment on a regular basis. He's won gold, silver and bronze awards for his work and has achieved the multiple Photographer's Bar Awards for consistently high-quality work over a year in the natural world and open categories. In 2021, he was shortlisted for the Image of the Year Award and finished as the overall runner-up in the open category. We discuss what photography means to him, how he balances a career and family life with his photography, his love of the south coast of England, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Tom. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? I'm good, thanks, Grant. It's good to meet you. Uh, you know, we've been chatting online every now and again, so it's good to sort of speak to you in person. Yeah, no, it's great to catch up with you, Tom. It's um, You're someone I've wanted to talk to for a little while, and I know we've sort of had to shuffle around schedules and everything to uh, to get to this point uh why don't you start with what photography is to you just tell us a bit about how you got started and, and why you love it so much okay so a little bit about me and how i sort of got into photography um so always been around photography always been around cameras um my dad is um a wildlife photographer actually okay um he he was he used to love shooting film he I still remember him getting his um, 
his Canon T90, which was a, one of the first autofocus film cameras. And yeah. he, he was amazed by it, you know, and I still have that vivid memory of him bringing that home. So, uh, you know, kind of, I've always been around cameras, but then I dabbled, you know, back in the, in the early digital world. I, I did have a film SLR, I had a, a hand-me-down um, Pentax Spotmatic, I think it was. Um, uh, and then I'm, and then, uh, early 2000s, you know, the, the digital camera revolution was coming along nicely. I remember mm-hmm. having a very, very exciting two megapixel Kodak weather sealed <laughs> camera, which was, it, it was huge, like a brick. It was literally yeah. like a brick in two megapixels. It was, uh, had like a tiny little zoom. So I remember having that back in, in the early days. Um, and then I went through some bridge cameras and, and, and then eventually landed on, um, one of the original Canon DSLRs. My one was the 350D. I think they've also called it the Rebel as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, entry-level DSLR, and and I had that for a few years and I I tinkered with it. And then eventually it kind of just ended up getting a little bit mothballed. Um, You know, it didn't come out. Mobile phones were getting better and better. So kept, you know, just sat in a cupboard for a while. through a, a series of life events, I ended up moving to the south coast of the UK, to Bournemouth, mm-hmm. um, and um, really, really settled in here quickly. I'm actually a Dorset boy originally, so Dorset in the UK. I'm actually a Dorset boy originally, and I've moved away for various reasons. And, but I ended up back in Dorset, in Bournemouth. Um, and when I got that back to the coast, I really started enjoying being on the coast and being out and about a lot more again. Sure. Um, you know, it's such a beautiful area. Um, I then started start cycling to work. I worked in Bournemouth and I, and I lived in Bournemouth and um, I was enjoying my cycling to work and I was cycling every single morning. And so I was seeing the weather conditions on the coast every single morning. Yeah, And I yeah. think that's what really, really clicked for me. Being able to see how much the weather conditions change the scenery it really, really just it, it, it infused. Mm. So I started taking more and more pictures. You know, and, and originally I was using a mobile phone, then I started using a GoPro, and I thought, you know, I need to almost stop cycling so much and doing more photography. So I actually ended up, and I had, I got an injury as well, so I ended up not cycling as much. Um, so when I got this injury, um. I thought, you know, this is a really good opportunity to, to spend some more time on my camera. Sure. So um, I started looking around and um, I needed something small and light and compact, but also weather sealed or, or at least capable of being relatively robust on, on the coast. Um, and I started looking around the Olympus range because, you know, the small micro four thirds, yep. super lightweight, tiny little lenses. And that could just be shoved in my backpack whilst I was cycling. Brilliant. Bought myself one of those. Um, and all of a sudden, everything really clicked. I, I all of a sudden, I was, I, I was cycling almost became secondary, and I wanted to be behind the camera, and I yeah. wanted to go to more and more locations, and I wanted to see those locations in different conditions. And all of a sudden, the, 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 I got the major landscape photography bug. You know, um, yeah. I'm very, very lucky. I live in a beautiful location called Dorset on the south coast of the UK. We have so many different things. And I'm sure we'll talk about lots of those different areas o- over the time, uh, our time together here today. But it, everything just sort of came together. And all of a sudden, 
I was I was a landscapist. That mm. was it. You know, I used to be a cycling photographer, and now all of a sudden I was a photographer that also did a bit of cycling. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and that was and that was sort of what happened. And so, yeah, I haven't looked back. That was like in 2017, 2018. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So talking about where you live, how has that influenced? Uh, obviously, it, it's going to influence the kind of things that you shoot. You're on the coast, so coastal scenes are going to be fairly de rigueur, but there's there's plenty of other places around the, the south of England that you can you can shoot bar the, the, the coast. But also I I guess I'm I'm interested in the locations you go to, the lo- the locations you shoot. Does it does that influence the way you shoot? Or do you decide the way that you shoot influences where you go? And I'm just interested in how people oh, what a great question. Um, so I think I think it is a little bit of both. I mean, when I started getting into more serious landscape photography, I would say that I was very um I was certainly I was very keen to try lots of different techniques very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the long exposures, shooting into the sun, shooting starbursts, and all, all of the things that landscape photographers kind of can utilize so yeah. when i started out i was very much i was very much let's try everything mm. let, let, let's um let, let's let's do a 10 stop let, let's do a you know a, a five minute exposure let's do a um a, a one second exposure let's do a half second exposure yeah let's yeah. do a five second let's look at all the different things that the look at all the different results that these produce um and and i suppose to start with I really just was looking for those classic, beautiful locations mm. um, and going there. But and in my head, I was just trying to try lots of different techniques, I suppose, yep. um, at individual locations, just to see the difference, difference, the results that produce. Um, but I must say, over time, I've certain it's certainly changed a bit and it's now become. I go to a location with, a, with generally with a shot in mind. Maybe yeah. not perfect, you know. I, I don't. I don't know exactly what I'm going to come away with. Of course, mm-hmm. that's, it's, that's the joy of landscape photography, yeah. isn't it? You yeah. never, you yeah. never know what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 me and a good friend of mine, we have a, we have a saying in, you know, landscape photography might be good, might be a complete load of pile of other yeah. stuff, um, because because that's that's that is landscape photography. We, we can go out, we can walk miles and enjoy ourselves and have a good old natter, but then we can come away with nothing. You know, because the weather was just not right for the location. Yeah, the, the, the clouds and that, the sea or the sun didn't didn't play ball. Exactly, <laughs> it's the it, that's the fun of the chase, though, isn't it? I mean, that Absolutely. that that's part of it. That's why you keep you the going words. to the same location? Because okay, exactly. well, I, I I had this in mind, and I I wanted I wanted that shot, but I didn't quite get it, so I got to go back. One hundred percent, yeah, and like and you know. I think we'll probably talk about it in a bit more depth later, but one of my favourite locations in, in the area here to me in Dorset is, is Corfe Castle. It's a, yep. it's, it's a pretty well-known location, you know, pro- pro- pretty much worldwide, just because of this, you know, it's an old ruin on top of a hill, um, which seems to attract mist and fog at mm. the right times of the year. And, and because of that, um, I go back over and over and over again. And, and I can't, 
not to go back. If I see a forecast which even hints at a bit of mist, I'm already trying to work out how can I make sure I get there at that time? You know, I don't want to miss that because it could be slightly different mist than it was last time. You know, right. It could be a bit lower, a bit higher, that the sun will be slightly different. And you can always take it from a different angle. Exactly. Different angles, different lenses. You know, yep. you know, I, you know, I, one of the things that I've certainly changed over time, you know, I, I was the classic landscaper to start with. Let's go wide. Let's go really wide. Let, let's shoot wide because you can get so much of the scene. It's exciting. And I must say, over time, I now, I, I, I hope I am, um, I, I utilize everything in my kit bag. You know, I, I, go, I shoot wide, but I also shoot narrow as well. You know, I will yeah. stick a zoom lens, stick a telephoto on, and, and zoom right in and grab some details and, and remove some of the clutter. Um, I think that's the another joy of it. You know, you're you're not limited. You know. To be fair, in most photography genres, you shouldn't be limited no. um, because you know you, that's the whole point of it. You know, you're supposed to be able to express yourself and express the the difference that you bring to a genre. But um, I do feel with landscape, you've got so much scope, so much scope from times of the day to to you know, seascapes. You know classic countryside and even going into the urban stuff as well you know yeah, yeah so much good and then switching it up with with different lenses and different techniques it's so exciting yeah there's always something to in there oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many so many you know i i love you know i love a little bit of the nighttime stuff as well and it, it is great fun it's absolutely great fun so do you think you you mentioned that you do a bit of planning do you think it's important for you to I guess have projects in your mind to work on or goals that you're you're aiming for. It might be a particular shot or it might be to complete a particular series. You know, I, I I've noticed uh it's not just yourself, there's quite a few, uh, particularly in the UK and Europe and uh also America, people that will go to almost exactly the same spot, try and find almost exactly where they put the tripod. And get that same tree or that same hill or that same structure or whatever um, in different seasons, which is something in Australia. Unless you live near the Snowy Mountains, you don't get that that much option to do. So it's almost always sunny, <laughs> and the trees don't lose their leaves. We um, uh, you know, where I am in the UK, we do only really have two seasons. It feels like. We have oh. the sunny season and the wet season. You know, <laughs> I, I would love to yeah, say that we have yeah, these... the southern, southern parts of the UK, I guess, a, a, yeah. a, a little bit more uh, temperate, uh, I guess, than the, the north. Exactly. And Dorset in, partic Dorset in particular, I've got to say, because you know we've only got one coast. If you go down to Cornwall and Devon, a bit further to the west, they have two coasts and, and their, their weather is a little bit more, bit more wild, actually. Yeah. Dorset's yeah. actually pretty calm over. Um, I, I'm sure I read at some point it was the the, the driest of all the counties in. Wow, okay, I didn't know that. Um, be, just because I think just the way that we we sort of sit, you know, overall we get lots of drizzle, but we don't get much rain. You know, yeah, it, it, yeah. we don't get a lot of heavy prolonged rain apart from over the past month, but we, we won't go there. Um, okay. uh, so so yeah, so um, I suppose I suppose overall. I'm uh, my my projects. Uh, I think they've started to evolve a little bit. 
Mm. Um, I was very much of a, I would just go out on a weekend just to enjoy myself as much as anything. I should add, you know, I'm not a full-time photographer. Sure. I am a semi-professional photographer. I have a full-time job, I, you know, and, and that does use up a lot of my time. I also mm. have a family with two children. Uh, one of my ch- children have got, has got a long-term medical condition. So all of these things, you know, I, I only have a certain amount of time I can put to Get it, yeah. Um, and I would love to make that transition, but I, it's not going to happen anytime soon. And I know that, and I accept that. And I think having that acceptance helps me really focus on what's important. So, and what's important to me is growing me and, and my photography. That's what's really yeah. important. So over the, you know, like I said, to start with, I was all about the, the tech, the, the techniques, all about learning the, the craft, learning the trade, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, starting to enjoy the creative elements of it more and more and, and thinking about like like you said think about projects um, I'm going to run my first small exhibition this year you know I've never oh. run an exhibition before but it's but it's just that project I've been working towards um, I've also just invent, invested in, um, in my own printing equipment at home you know a good quality home printer a good quality paper and, and actually learning that craft as well and, and taking it from the screen to the actual final image that's printed that's something i'm really enjoying I'm yeah really I've, I've heard that described as lear- learning photography all over again absolutely you know i know just, just the screens that i'm looking at right now talking to you you know learning to calibrate the screens properly and it you know when i actually did it it was like wow oh yeah I, I, they were really, really oversaturated and far too bright and all the rest yeah. of it. And now I can press print and within within a very small margin of error, I know what I'm going to get on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, right. Although uh, now I've learned that the, the you know, the, the paper makes so much difference. I mean, mm. you get different color temperatures on the papers and all the rest of it. So it's, it's all, like you say, it is about almost learning it all over again in a different way. It's very exciting. And I think that, I think I needed that. I needed that little bit of something extra. So when I decided to do an exhibition, I thought, you know what? I'm going to print my own stuff for my exhibition. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do the whole thing. It's going to be me. This is it now. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to rely on anybody else. I'm going to take my photos. I'm going to print them out. I'm going to put them on in my frames, um, all frames, admittedly, but I'm going to mount them myself and I'm, then I'm going to, Mount, you know, set up the the exhibition. It's only small. It's only, I, th- I think, it's um, twenty photos. So it's only a very small little exhibition. But just doing yeah. that, I think, is really exciting. It's, it's, and the it's thing is, the, the, yeah, that that first step takes you on to whatever the next step is going to be. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I've been very lucky. You know, I, I so at the beginning, I mentioned that um, my first sort of foray back into photography was with an Olympus camera. And very quickly, um, I ended up speaking to Olympus, um, and I was very, very lucky in the case. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, I know that was luck. That was pure yeah. luck. And, you know, right place, right time, right camera. They wanted to speak to somebody in the UK that was doing landscape photography with their cameras, and they happened to notice. They actually noticed a couple of my astro shots, which is what drew okay. me to. Because, because I was doing Astro with a micro four thirds camera, and they were yeah, like, "Oh, hold on, kind of camera, well known, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not well known. So um, they were like, oh, wow, this, this guy's doing something. So they contacted me and we had a chat. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was doing work with them, which was just fantastic. You know, yeah, it, it, it opened it opened so many doors. Nice. Um, and, you know, and, and our relationship, my relationship with Olympus, I mean, Olympus, Olympus cameras no longer exist. They're now OM system. You know, the, they, they sold off their, they sold off their commercial camera arm. Olympus do actually still have an imaging arm, but it's only medical imaging that they do now. They sold off the commercial, the, the, the photography side of it um, uh, to, and set up a new company, OM system. Um, but I've stayed with them. They've released, they're releasing new cameras, new lenses all the time. And the, like I say, the opportunity that they've given me, I, I'm, I'm forever grateful yeah, um, again, we can have a chat about a couple of those because you know, last year, uh, you know, I went to Iceland with them, you know, and that oh, was just mind blowing. Yeah. That was just utterly mind blowing, you know. And previously, you know, back in 2019, back in 2019, so I'd only been doing this a year and a half at that point, mm. really. Um, I got to, I was given their latest camera and sent to Madeira with their latest camera, you know. To, for somebody that's only been doing photography for a year and a half to be given that opportunity, no wrong. It wasn't like all, all, all sort of like super duper and you know, fancy hotels and all that. No, no, no. It was, it was his little bit of money, his yeah. new camera. Go off and have an adventure. That was it, you know. And, and yeah, but, but, but to a new photographer, that's an amazing opportunity. Absolutely. And I'm, like I say, it did. It, it, you know, all that did was just infuse me even more. And, and, yeah, just go and do some more do do more do more and, and that's what I've, I've tried to do i mean it's been a funny old time let's be honest it has been a funny old time with it. the whole past two or three years have just been bonkers um yeah but yeah. the photography hasn't stopped that's the main thing photography hasn't stopped excellent in terms of when you started to recognize photography for yourself as an art form as opposed to when you were biking around and taking shots and going, okay, well, that's, that, that, that looks nice. <laughs> um, which is where everyone starts, you know, that, that's a nice scene. I'd like to capture it. I'd like to keep that as a memory. Where did it start to transition to, I'd really like to create art out of this? I think, I think it was around, it's a, it's a tricky one because like I say, I started off, I kind of, it's almost like I've done a three-step stage for me. Because mm. I went, I, I definitely went with, oh, yeah, there's a pretty thing. I want to take a picture of it. So absolutely started there, of course, like you say. Yeah, every, everyone starts that one. Yeah. Then I very much went technical, you know, because, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, this isn't a full-time job for me. My, my full-time job is IT. Yeah. I'm a, and under the, under the hood, I'm a tech. Yeah. There's, sure. there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Under the hood, I'm a tech. I love my tech. Um, um, you know, you name it, I've probably had that piece of tech at some point, you know, it's, even if I don't have it now, I've probably had it at some point. Um, so I went very technical, you know, and it was all about think, looking at the, the, the technical side of photography, thinking about, you know, uh, hyperfocal distances and all of that sort of stuff that was, yeah. which most people would just go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's not very I'll point the camera out the yeah exactly or, or but but even so i i very much took the you know i know people that have gone into photography and have got an eye for photography. 
I, think, sure. I look at their shots and I go, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And when I speak to them, they're like, yeah, I just turned up and I pointed it over there and yeah. took that picture. And it's like, oh, wow, really? You've got a knife for it then. And you were amazing. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have that. I don't, okay. I don't think. I have to work for it. And that's why, I suppose, getting to the art elements, getting to that, the, the artistic side of photography has taken me longer than I think it takes some people mm. because of my technology background. I, I look at everything and I, I overanalyze things so much. I'm an overanalyzer because I'm techie. You know, I, you know, I, I want to see the data. I want to know the data. I, I, want to, I want to understand this picture from the technology side. Um, maybe, if I, maybe if I was getting into this you know, all those years ago with film, maybe I wouldn't have Maybe I maybe I wouldn't have even got into it. Maybe that's why I did take a break. And maybe it took so long that I needed to have a high quality editing piece of software where I could look at all the data behind it and look at the look at the how many stops I'm adjusting it and all the rest of it. Maybe it took me that long before I could enjoy it. Sure. Um, so it has taken me a long time, and I only I honestly I only believe in the past maybe year or so that I've really started. Maybe yeah, maybe eighteen months. I've really started settling into photography for the end product as a piece of art or yeah, as yeah. a as a final as, as a final image. Before that, I enjoyed my photography. I love my photography for the for the adventure and for the technical stuff. Now I'm getting possibly even more critical than ever, because the reason is. Although I can take a good quality photo, if it doesn't hit the nail on the head from an art point of view now, from, from, a, from a good piece of art, um, then I, I'm, I'm becoming less and less interested in it. And okay. I can definitely see that in my photography. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas two years ago, a good, a good quality scene, which was technically perfect, I would have been really happy with that. Yeah. Now, if the light's slightly wrong, it goes in the bin, <laughs> and it, and it yeah, really okay. is. So, so it, it, it is. It's definitely. I'm definitely in a transitional phase of the moment. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Which is which is a real challenge actually, because I I'm really struggling to produce lots of images I like. Six years ago, six years ago, three years ago, I was producing a lot more images that I like. Well, I like right. at that point, and I look back at them and go, oh, "What a load of garbage!" And I think we're all—I think we're all that sort of way. Yeah, we're all, all, all very critical of our early work. I mean, there's there's the absolutely gem that you pick out and go, "Oh, yeah, that's actually that's okay." Yeah. <laughs> but most, I have, um, mostly, you look at it and go, "Yeah, what was I thinking?" <laughs> exactly. I have I have a, a maybe about I think, six to ten shots from my early early yeah. years, shall we say. That I, that I reuse regularly in websites and applications when I do articles and things because I love them and I still love them and they mean a lot to me. Yeah. And they're good shots, but they're good shots by a bit of luck, I think, now. You know, yeah. now when I look back at them and think, that was a really good shot. That was really lucky because I didn't know what I was doing back then. So yeah. I suppose it just proves that, you know, anybody, anybody with a vague knowledge can get a good shot if you get oh, absolutely yeah. and a bit of luck um but now yeah I, i'm definitely i'm definitely seeing that transition moving towards the art side and you know thinking about this exhibition that i want to do i know 
I, I'm putting so much thought into how I want it laid out, you know, thinking about, you know, the sections, thinking about how it will transition from, from one picture to another and, and those sorts of things, because it will literally be a, 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 a wavy wall, shall we say. Of, yeah, of, right. You know, um, and I'm thinking about, you know, landscape portrait and I'm thinking, oh, actually, do I want to... Do I want them all portrait or do I want them all landscape orientation? Oh, no, I don't want that. And Oh, well, should I have one portrait, one landscape, one portrait, one landscape? It's all of these things that are going around my head at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think a lot of people go through that process when sort of, whether it's, you know, putting stuff into your portfolio and how you arrange that and how you put your website together or putting stuff into a book. You know, I, I, I've I never done an exhibition personally, but I know I know that feeling. Do I, you know, do I alternate the format on the pages? Do I have one hero image on, on page left or, or page right and then two or three on the other one or is it two or is it four? What, you know, and they should, they all be landscape and all that sort of thing. And just Absolutely. working out how that, how that flow should work so that when you're flipping the pages, it's aesthetically pleasing and doing that for a uh, uh, an exhibition I'd, I'd imagine is is pretty much the same sort of process absolutely yeah it's um but but i think photography as art is sorry landscape photography as art i should have, because i it is quite um it's quite a journey it's quite a complex beast as well you know mm. i, I I know some really good um, portrait photographers, really, really good. I mean, there's obviously the commercial portrait photographers that take pictures for a commercial reason, but then that's fine. But I know a few that are that are very artistic with their with their portraiture. And, yeah, yeah. You know, when you speak to them, the level of planning that goes into their work is is phenomenal. You know, all yeah. the lighting, all the props. The, the model that's doing the yeah. right thing wearing the, the costume right model the, the right shape the costumes. shape of the arms and the the legs and exactly. all uh, and and uh, yeah i mean when you but they almost are going yeah fundamentally at the end of the day if they want to they can control every single element of absolutely that scene. Yeah. yeah unless they're and, doing and out, outdoor natural light scene yeah yeah absolutely and but then, then, doing then the pure, like they just pick a day <laughs> well exactly yeah. um but but one of the things for landscape photography or outdoor photography in general is it's that unknown it's that it is the the natural world it is the what it's the conditions it's the weather it's the light mm. that just brings something different to it and it hits different and when you get something good the the feeling the feeling of 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 satisfaction is is for me, it feels it's different level, isn't it? Because Absolutely. you know that you, you know, that I, I still look back at a couple of videos I took, I took like of, of me, of like Instagram stories you know, and things like that. When when I'm yeah. out on a on a shoot and the 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 sky is just bright red, you know, and I hear in my voice the excitement of seeing that with my eyes you know and then the excitement of trying to capture that and and capture it in a way it doesn't look stupid because that is a a real challenge with some of those big bright sunrises isn't it you know because sometimes you could just look at those and go nah it's it's real and and you tell people no no it really was like that 
That's it. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, it's um the, being outside, being in the elements, and then trying to capture it is it's next level enjoyment. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, as you said, you've sort of captured exactly why why you got into it and why you do it uh, in a really succinct manner there. Um, in terms of your style and how that's developing, as you said, towards the, the artistic, um, how would you describe your style to somebody that hadn't seen your work? This being a podcast, some people will yes, see some of your work. In, in the promos, but during the podcast, they're probably not going to see a lot of it. <laughs> no. Um, so how would I describe my work? Um, so I describe myself as an outdoor photographer. Sure. So, but I do cover four main genres, sort of, sort of sub-genres, if you will. So classic landscape, seascape, um, astro and drone. Yep. So drone is my, my my most recent sort of foray, as I think it's for a lot of landscape photographers. They, they, you know, they shoot for the camera first and then get into the droning after. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's still you know still a, what's the right word a fledgling interest of me. Okay, I, I enjoy it a lot, but it's um I I really enjoy flying my drone and taking images, but I enjoy capturing video a bit more on on the drone actually than the photography. I still yeah. end up, I, I still find that nine out of 10 times I go back to my my camera photos. I, I love capturing the footage in the dream, but the, the photos back to the camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, so landscape, seascape, and, and astro, I suppose, are the three genres. Um, I'm definitely, I would say, seascape first. Yeah. Um, you know, I live on the coast. I, I love being by the sea. So... And my seascape, I suppose I would say, is I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sunrise and sunset photographer. I'm, I'm not a daytime photographer, as most of us are. We know we love that early light. But I'm yeah. very much that first 20 minutes before the sunrise. That's, you know, when it hits, when it hits the sweet spot. Sure. And I, I, was talking to, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I, and I think the majority, I would say 90% of my photos are taken in the half an hour which is 20 minutes before sunrise and 10 minutes after sunrise. And I would say 90% of my photos are probably taken at that point. Um, and that's, and predominantly that's at sunrise. I, I, I enjoy sunrises so much more. Something about the, the solitude you get with the sunrise. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, sunsets, I love a sunset, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful time of day, but there's something about sunrise because there are so few people around generally you know it's it feels it just feels quiet and peaceful and calm mm. um and so you know my style of photography is is generally me walking somewhere in the morning be that local beach or walking out trekking out to a, to a location on the jurassic coast somewhere um and then and then looking for some beautiful reds pinks blues golden light you know and and enjoying the sea um, I'm, I am definitely moving towards the tighter crops on my photography now as well. Yep. So whereas historically, I would say I was, I, I, I did love that wider shot, and I still shoot an awful lot with wider lenses. But I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy a slightly tighter crop on the scene, just to 
maximize a single point, a single, a, a single, um, a single subject in that scene yeah. with, with everything else around it. Um, that is definitely a, a way I'm, I'm moving, I think. Mm. So I, I do. Coastal photography, though, is just uh, there's, there's something about it. I, 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 it's really hard to describe. And I, and when people come and visit, and, and or when I run a workshop or take somebody out to the to the coast, and when I see their enjoyment of, of walking around on the coast and and, and seeing, you know, they, they can point their camera at a rock, and all of a sudden they've got a beautiful scene. Yeah, the seas flowing around it in different ways, and then we start tweaking the shutter speed. You know, to to allow you to see that bit of flow and the bit of motion of the sea, that's when people go, "Wow, this is so this is this is so addictive, so so so." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the one of my favourite things about it. Is, I, I was going to say, I know, I know you you like you like being out on the coast. Yeah, you you can point point it at a rock, and as long as there's a bit of water movement, a bit of foam, you you set. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You can you can pretty much make any any kind of shot you like, but then in, that's the joy of it, isn't it? Because then you start hunting for a nice looking rock. Yes, and, and then but you start what, what's looking interesting about that rock as opposed to the rock next to it. <laughs> Absolutely, and then you start thinking, oh well, can I get three rocks in a row? Because yeah. uh, three is a nice number. Can I get right. can I get these three? Two? Oh look, there's three there. Oh, well, I have those three rocks. Yeah, exactly. And, and one thing I would say is. It's in really interesting for me is um, I've learned so much more about the weather um, as yeah. a landscape photographer now. Um, you know, even just, but not just the weather, you know, sunrises and moonrises, understanding, understanding sun positions as well. Yeah. You know, I, I had no concept of, I mean, every, you know, as a non-photographer, you think about the winter sun and it being a bit low in the sky. But yeah, yeah. Don't, fully appreciate is the position in in the landscape of the sun is completely different you know in the summer as it is in the winter you know, yeah. the the movement of the sun um is in where i am is, is amazing because it actually makes sunrises um and sunsets on the coast in, in my bit of the coast um, on the south coast of england um it, it makes it really boring and dull in the summer because the sun's too far over the land yeah. and then all of a sudden as as the winter months come so the october to march autumn winter um that's uk autumn winter obviously um our autumn winter um all of a sudden the sun's in so much of a better position and mm. the shots you get are just so much better because just because the sun's in the right place and the light yeah. hits the rocks in different ways, which you just don't get in the summer. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, that's, um, that, I, that's I do exactly love it. And that, that's the, the, the wonder of it all, being able to sort of track that through the year and understand, okay, if I stand here, I know what I'm going to get. Yeah. And if you stand here at this time of the year, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's absolutely. it. Yeah. Absolutely. What does success look like for you in your photography? Somebody says it looks all right. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I, I suppose I'm always surprised by the number of people that like my photography. Okay. I, you know, and I, I, I'm sure we get um, 
I'm sure an awful lot of photographers feel this way. I, I still, to this day, have massive imposter syndrome, you know, I, continually. Um, I, I, look at, I look at other people's work and think, that's amazing. And I look at my work and go, it's nowhere near as good. It's, it's, it's boring comparison. And then somebody says, actually, no, that's a good shot. And, you know, I look at some of them and I go, yeah, that's, that's all right, that. I never think it's that good, you know. And so yeah. I suppose success... What a success! I don't think I, I don't think I'll ever get there. If I'm being brutal, is what I don't think I'll ever be happy. And it's it's a, it's a sorry state of affairs. I'm one of those people that I don't think I'll ever be happy with with what I produce or or what I can do. I will always want more. Um, yeah, and yeah. that's I almost wish I wasn't like that. Sometimes you know I wish I could just be content, um, but I'm not. And maybe that's what drives me isn't it you know and drives many of us i suppose absolutely we always want a little bit more um so ultimately i want people to like my work i you know and i don't mean clicking like on instagram i mean okay. somebody somebody the, the big for me the biggest compliment is when a friend comes around to the house and sees one of my pictures on a wall and goes oh that's really nice you know that is the biggest compliment. Yeah. The, the the hundreds of likes, the thousands of likes on Instagram. No, it's it's lovely, but it's but having a mate come round that looks nice, right? Well, yeah. That is the biggest compliment to me. That's the biggest when it's somebody that isn't looking for nice work, and then all of a sudden sees one of yours and recognizes it's a nice piece of work. That's a real compliment. It's really yeah. Cool. Nice. Nice. You talked a little bit about uh, trying to juggle and balance your time. What techniques do you use to try and balance your full-time work, your family life and your photography? Obviously, getting up at stupid o'clock and going <laughs> to, for, for sunrise is one way of doing it. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much, you know, it's pretty much what I do, you know. Uh, um, during the, the whole pandemic thing, we got a dog like many many other people did in the world yep. i think yep. um uh, and and that has actually even got me out even more regularly for sunrise now um because even if i'm not going out shooting i'm going out dog walking on on the beach don't get me wrong even i draw the line sometimes and go it's grim out there i'm not going anywhere. but um but you know most mornings i'm out there with the dog on the beach and generally I'm not, I haven't got a backpack with me. I've got a camera on a sling around my neck, you know, sort of across my body and I'm walking the dog. And if I see something or if the sunrise kicks in and I, I get a good shot, then I'm, I'm super happy. And yeah. if it doesn't, I go, well, never mind. So during the week, I've got to say, I, you know, I, I do have a full-time job. It's a, it's a, can be quite stressful at times. Um, I, I work in, in education. I work for a university. I run an okay. IT department for, for a university. So there's a hundred odd people asking me for, for what they should do. You know, it's, 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 there's a lot going on in my, in my, in my work life. Um, so I don't, I don't spend, I don't take huge amounts of time off from, from work. I generally do okay. um, more early mornings, um, and weekends and the, it's very rare on a weekend that I'm not out at least once 
Um, some weekends, if it really lands right, you know, certainly in the summer, I, I can often be out twice. You know, I can because I, I, I can get up super early, go for a shoot, yeah, um, stop at a drive-through on the way home for a breakfast, and still get home before my family are up. You know, yeah. because yeah. in the summer it's that early. You know, it, it's great. You know, and then I can have a whole day with the family as well. That's it. Um, so it's there is a lot of balancing, and sometimes. You know, every now and again, fairly regularly, um, uh, I, I will look at a sunset and go, I've missed a good one. And I've missed a good one because I've, I've got other commitments. And You've got other things. That's it. A, a higher priority. And, and it is that, it is, you know, it is not my full-time job. It is a, it is a delightful, wonderful side hustle. And I love it to pieces. And I don't, I don't, I try to enjoy it still. You know, I, I, I talk about being imposter syndrome and never being happy with my work and everything. Okay, that's fair enough. But one thing I always enjoy, going out with the camera, walking somewhere, ideally with at least some a mate of some description, you know, as well, and, and, yeah. and having a chat and just enjoying the moment. Even if I do walk away without having a picture at the end of it because I'm being overcritical or light was a bit wrong or whatever i've had a good time and i've, I've yeah. chilled out a bit you know and and, and, I, and I do use it for for that purpose so the actual the actual process of taking the picture going somewhere taking you know finding a composition um having a walk being out in nature and that i find very therapeutic Mm. And yeah, okay. Every, when when it doesn't every now and again you get a really crappy shoot and you think, eh, really needed a good one today. Everyone gets that. But nine out of ten times, I get home and I go, well, oh well, had a good walk. Um, and and you know, it's really important actually that we should talk about that a little bit because I I know a lot of photographers that will gladly go out on their own, take pictures on their own, yep. um, and they don't want anybody near them. I actually enjoy a bit of social interaction whilst mm. I'm out shooting. I don't like big, don't get me wrong, I don't like big groups of people, of course I don't. That, that just doesn't work. You're tripping over each other and all the rest of it. Yeah. Every year, I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you've seen the shots, every year at Dirtle Door um, in, on the South Coast UK, um, we get the sunburst coming through. Yep. The, coming up through, through, the, the, arch, through yeah. the arch. The sun comes up through the arch of Dirtle Door. And if you go there on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Monday, during that period, and it's and the conditions are good, you can guarantee twenty plus photographers in in a twenty meter. Yeah, all trying to line up. Trying that to get, all stuff. trying to line up to get that get that shot. Yeah. Don't enjoy that. Um, still do it. I still do it. <laughs> I say once a year, once every two years, maybe. But but certainly, yeah. I still do it because it, it's something about it. But anyway, but what I do enjoy. Um, it's going out with one, two, three mates and going for a walk with our gear, having a laugh. It becomes, uh, you know, it becomes a bit of an adventure. It becomes a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, and, but the joy is if you go with other photographers who, and they are mates, you all just go, all of a sudden you click and you go, right, we're in photography mode now. And you all sort of disperse. I'm busy. Yeah. And, 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 Every now and again, we all, you know, we're all good mates, and you know, 
you're standing in my shot. Get your ass out of my shot. I can see yeah. your ass in my shot. Get move over one, you know, one meter to the left, please, because you're in my shot. And we all go, oh, sorry, mate. You know, and it's all fun and games. And, and that's I, I do you know what? I love that. I yeah. absolutely yeah. love that. I, I love a you know, a good walk, a good hike with some mates with the gear, take some pictures. Um, and and that makes you know what could be a failed failed photography trip into a great little adventure and a great yeah and you're going to have breakfast afterwards or a coffee or whatever exactly good. exactly yeah have a have a natter and 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 have a whinge at each other about why it was so crap <laughs> but um but then but then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter exactly exactly so you talked about uh Corf Castle being one of your favorite mm. spots um obviously there's there's a plethora of places on that south coast I'm going to exclude Dorset from from your shooting here. What would be your favourite outside Dorset? Outside Dorset, yeah. I, I haven't. I do. So there are many, many, many international locations, yeah, which are beautiful. And I like to say I was very lucky yeah. to go to Iceland last year. Um, um, that was amazing. But if I'm talking about the UK. And favourite other locations in the UK, the North Devon coast is okay, yeah. something different. You know, it hits it hits a different a different note to me. Mm. It's it feels familiar because it, it's not that far from here, I suppose. But it feel it feels familiar, but at the same time, it's completely different. It's, it's actually um, there's an area of the North Devon coast that goes on to the Atlantic, so it's quite raw there. Um, yep. It gets battered, absolutely battered, you know. Mm-hmm. And the some of the some of the rock structures and, and the formations there are just otherworldly. Um, you know, literally, to, to just look amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a it's, a it's a treasure trove. I think that north that North Devon coast. The thing about the North Devon coast is it's a sunset spot because yep. of just the position of it, it works well at sunset. Works a lot less well. Yeah, it's a lot, lot tougher to find a good one there in uh, in sun, sunrise. Yeah, yeah. Positions of uh, the position of the sun. Yeah, you, know, you can get a good shot. Don't get me wrong. In the summer, you can actually get a really good sunrise shot. But the majority of the time, you're shooting you're shooting west into the sunset. You know, and and so you are a bit more limited, and you will always have people around you. But it's it's remote enough that you never have. It's it's not like Dorset. You never get the crowds that you get in Dorset on the North Devon yeah. coast. There's, you know, it is such a beautiful, rugged bit of coastline. Um, one I'm very overdue a visit to, actually. I, I mean, I, I went there regularly, um, sort of like two or three times a year. Now I'm down to, well, I haven't been there for two years now because pandemic and work and work. But um, I, I'm well overdue a, a visit to the North Devon coast. So that's a, there's a, there's a there's two particular places in the North Devon coast which I, I always make a point of visiting. Number one is called Heartland. It's a, yep. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a it's a peninsula on the on the North Devon coast, which is just beautiful. And there's another one called Black Church Rock. Okay. Which is um which is this beautiful, humongous triangular rock, um with two with two holes in the middle. And until you get there, you don't quite appreciate the size of it. It you see it on the photos, you go, "Oh, that's a nice looking pointy rock." And then you get there, and you realise that 
you could literally stand three of me at almost two, you know, 180. You stand three of me in the hole inside it. It must be okay. 15 meters high, 16 meters high. Wow. This thing. It's huge. It's, it's humongous. It's, it's really cool. Fantastic. I think UK wise, I think that's good. That, that, oh, that, that, that'll yeah. do. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should, I should make this. There's, there's definitely a soft spot. Oh, I definitely have a soft spot for Snowdonia. I don't, I, I never get good shots in Snowdonia. I never get good shots in Snowdonia, but I keep going back. Yeah. yeah. So I, I obviously, like, I obviously enjoy it, but I think that's more, you know, less for the photography, more for the adventure. Yeah. Interesting. I, I won't say I got amazing shots in Snowdonia. I got a couple which I thought were okay. Um, mm. I was I was there last year. Um, what fascinated me more though was uh, places like uh, Denoric, the uh, the old slate quarry and whatever. It's just uh, just an absolutely incredible man. Uh, formed landscape is uh, it's not man-made though there are, are man-made parts yeah. of it but it's just been shaped by man over you know a, a couple of hundred years and it's just a, an incredible location to 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 head to i think uh, absolutely and that that quarry it's it's you can lose yourself there for absolutely for, for a number of days literally and and i think when you see the pictures of that quarry online, you go, oh, that's pretty. It's not until you get there, you realise the scale. The scale you know, is incredible. It's, it's yeah. huge. It is massive. And you can be standing yeah, yeah, I mean, just, bit just bit. The, the, the climb up, if you don't drive around the back up through Denoric itself, the, the little village. But yeah, the, that climb up from down uh, down, down at the bottom there. Um, at San Barris, yeah. Yeah, San yeah, Barris. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's it's great. It's a great experience, and that's why you know that I think for me, Snowdonia is always worth. It's always worth a mention because there is something about it. There, you know, it is a, such an amazing landscape, but it's I really struggle there. I really struggle, and it is one of those places that you've got to get lucky with the weather. Because oh yeah, yeah. Last time we went, it was grim. It was utterly grim we know we had we were there for three days and you know for two of those days it just rained it just rained and it rained and it rained and it blew and it blew and it blew you know it was <laughs> it was not good photography conditions and we yeah. were at the quarry actually on one of those days and you know that was the best place to be because at least then you had that sort of that black, that wet black slate yeah, yeah which actually which, which was the best we could do we, we then made a mistake of trying to go up Snowdonia or halfway up Snowdonia the next day. And it was just grim. We just turned around in the end and we got about yeah. three quarters of the way up and just went, it's just no point. Might as well just turn around and head back. <laughs> Better off in a pub than having a pint. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that that sounds like a fairly memorable experience. What What other memorable experiences have you had out shooting? So yeah, so 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 Snowdonia is always a good one. Um, been there a few times with mates. Um, I think the first time I went there, I have a very memorable experience. The first time I've been to Snowdonia, just because um, it was it was in spring, um, not far off. It must have been the beginning of June. It must have been either very late May or, or very early June, um, and we were only we only had two nights there. So we drove up one day, 
we got to our Airbnb, we stopped. And the next morning we got up at like three o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I still remember to this day, we, we started at three o'clock in the morning and we just went and we just drove and we shot and we walked and we shot and we walked and all the way through until well after sunset because the conditions mm. were quite nice that day. And I still, I still remember literally at one point um, getting to a car park and just going, I'm knackered. I just closed my eyes just for one second and that was it. And I had to be woken up because uh, uh, it was that tiring. It, it was just a great experience. Three mates in a van, bombing around Snowdonia, shooting and walking, trying to get as, cram as much into a single day as physically possible. Fantastic. We saw eight locations that day. And it, was, it, it, was, it was just brilliant fun. So real, like I say, Snowdonia's got some real, real good memories. Fantastic. Um, but if, um, uh, you know, the... the the, the single most memorable moment of my photography life now, though, is without a doubt my trip to Iceland last year. That, yeah. that was, it was just, it was everything I wanted it to be. Um, we went in the summer, so yeah. it was, we weren't there for Northern Lights or, or, or big snow scenes or anything like that. We were there for one reason and one reason for them, which was to get to the Icelandic highlands. Yeah. yeah. They're only available for three, unless you're in some, monster truck they're only available for two or three months of the year you don't be able to go into the center of the island and see things that you just don't get to see otherwise um when i was there with another om system ambassador um we we hired a four by four camper van for mm -hmm. a week and we just drove around the whole island just enjoying ourselves it was just two blokes in a van driving around an island not in any way, shape, or form, keeping up with any sort of useful personal hygiene or, or eating properly or anything. We just drove and shot for a week uh, around nice. Iceland, and yeah. it was phenomenal. I was exhausted by the time. It was, it was funny actually because it's one of the few times I took some time off my day job to go shooting. Yeah, yeah. And um, and everyone's like, you get back to the day job and say, "Oh, do you have a nice holiday?" And it's like. <laughs> I, I'm exhausted. I, 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 there was no rest involved. There was no luxury involved. I think when yeah. people see pictures of Iceland, they all they all have that that view of the Blue Lagoon Spa, where everyone yeah. just kind of wanders around in bikinis and, and speedos yeah. and enjoying themselves, getting pampered and drinking cocktails. And literally, we were just two blokes, two middle aged blokes in a van, driving around, grubby, damp, wet, and horrible. It was by the end. I dread to think the poor people that had to clean that van at the end, you know, because it, <laughs> it, it was slightly, um, it was slightly uh, musky. Um, yeah. uh, it, we, um, but man, we saw so much, so much. And my eyes are still, you know, when I look back at the pictures and, and I, I look at the pictures and go, even though some of the pictures aren't amazing, what my eyes saw in that one week, amazing. You know, going from glaciers to glaciers to hot springs to rugged coastal areas up into the hiking areas where you have these mountains that almost look zebra-like because they've got strips of snow on them still yeah phenomenal fantastic what about horror stories everyone has them well that uh, snowdonia one where the other snowdonia one where it just rained for two days well that was pretty horrific um i think i've been Overall, I've been fairly lucky with my photography. Mm. I haven't had many real bad ones. 
products. Um, it's usually involved kit failures of some description yeah, yeah. Um, and usually and usually my own fault in some way. I still remember um, uh, I was um, my wife's German. And so we, we, we travel to Germany every now and again. And there's a there's a beautiful castle. It's about two and a half hours from my wife's family in Germany called um, uh, Berg Elz, which is this yep. real sort of traditional German castle. It's down in a valley surrounded by hills. It's, you look at it, you go, wow, that's, that's so, so spooky almost, but yeah. at the same time, just beautiful. And I, I was going there and I was thinking, right, I'm going to go there and amazing shots and i remember getting there and the weather being a bit then all of a sudden the sun came out it's like right okay there's some light now but then it got really really harsh and i just and and, and i was i was scrabbling scrabbling and i remember knocking my tripod over and just seeing it go forward hit the ground it was on a it was on a tarmac road actually because it was sort of shitty and literally just seeing my glass filters just hit the ground yeah that sickening crunching yeah. just to explode across the ground and i just think how many hundreds of pounds have i just lost in that yeah. i think it was i think i lost um a graduated filter an nd filter and a polarizer that oh, full swoop you know and it was just like and i was in germany i was visiting family so that was it. That they, they were gone for the trip. You know, so, yeah, which yeah. luckily, luckily, I did. It was you, know, you, you make do, don't you? But um, yeah, I, yeah. I, it was just that moment of watching you know, that slow motion moment of watching the tripod go, and you think, "Oh, this is going to <laughs> I've got to say though, from apart from filters, I've been very, very lucky. You know, I, you know, I haven't smashed in any lenses more my lenses have been rock solid and um, i do remember once um shooting on the coast and although all my kit is really really well weather sealed and i've got you know hats off to our own system in olympus their weather sealing is is top notch yeah i've seen seen, seen someone take it under a shower we have uh showers here where you can wash the salt water off you yeah. just about every beach and i've seen somebody actually rinse their camera off oh I do it regularly. I, I do that regularly, you know, because because if you've got if it has got some sand on it or something like that, yeah. If you get one of those, because um, we have them along the the front the beach um, in Bournemouth here, mm. just literally stick it under the shower and just let it rinse it off, rinse the sand off. I'd much prefer to have a, a clean water rinsed camera than a salty sandy camera any day. Absolutely, and yeah. never had any issues. The only thing was though that um, uh, this was a, with a, a very early. Olympus I had, which wasn't actually technically weather sealed. It was very good, but it wasn't technically. It was never marketed as being weather sealed. Sure. Um, but um, I had it mounted in portrait mode on an L bracket on my tripod. And I remember um, this wave coming towards me <laughs> and thinking, that's a big wave, that. That's going to end badly. No, no time to move. Just, uh, just so you just kind of, so I, just literally turned around and just let it hit the back of me and, you know, just got absolutely drenched, you know, and, and that was it. I turned back to my camera and I realised as I've turned away, I must have pulled the, um, pulled the uh, cable release uh, plug out of the camera. Yep. And salt water basically has gone down into that oh, port. Yeah. And then... It's literally the whole camera just went, no, 
So salt water's obviously gone down into this port because it's mounted and the port's on the top. And because it's mounted in portrait mode, I've just watched the, the sort of water dribble down into it. And then mm. within within minutes, the, the, you know, the, the, the back buttons all started failing. It was yeah. a it was a circuit. I've, I've killed my uh, Canon 6D Mark II twice that same yeah. way. Salt water, yeah, salt 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 water and and cameras. But I've got to say that is you know that was a that was you know, the entry level Olympus camera. I now have the obviously the, the top end gear. You know, I have their flagship cameras. I've had the flagship the past three flagship cameras, mm. um, and they have been you know literally dropped on beaches, coated in sand, and and then like you say, stick them under the shower, wash it all off. I don't I don't as long as the ports are closed and everything, don't even worry about it. So yeah. they're, they're, weather sealing is uh, weather sealing cannot be um. Cannot be high enough on a seascape photographer's um, uh, shopping list. I think you know, definitely. Yeah, definitely. The image quality, but man, you need that weather ceiling on the sea. On the, on the <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things I'm interested in is your process for actually creating, and that sort of starts before you actually end up on a shoot and the, the thinking about where you're going to go and what the conditions are like and all that sort of thing, which we've talked a little bit about. But when you then turn up on site, what is it that you're looking for? Because obviously you can have a concept and, you know, things like, yeah, okay, Dirtle Door, you kind of know where you've got to stand to get that sun coming up through the arch. But aside from that, there's that, that rock that you find what is it about that rock and how do you how do you find it? What is it that you're scanning the landscape for before you actually decide to set up and, and start shooting? I mean, obviously, you know, and, and I'm sure every single person that we've spoken to over the years um, has the same sort of, from a landscape point of view, the things we always, always look for. You know, we always look for the weather. You know, we're, yep. we're, we all scour the weather apps and, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't. I've never met anybody that only uses one weather app. I think we. I think oh, on yeah. average, I think uh, it's got to be at least three, if not more. Um, yeah, and, and you sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you kind of average it between the three and hope that you've got your averages right. Yeah, yeah this one. Looks and, and I've, so, I've got two that do kind of kind of a cloud forecast, but cloud. Yeah, forecast. absolutely. That, and they're never the same. Yeah. No, and it, it, I, I think cloud forecasting is a myth, but you know. Yeah, exactly. They're never the same, are they? Never. Uh, never. So, um, so uh, you know, you, I've done all my my balancing of my weather apps, and I've gone right. Okay, so so then we're down to probability. So the probability is that it is more probable that, than less probable that the weather will be good. Okay, let's go. So off I go. So location. Well, you know, generally I'm looking for a coastal. Assuming that it's a coastal shoot, which is sure. nine out of ten times. Um, I'm looking for a coastal location. I'm looking for, uh, you know, I'm making sure the sun position's right for it as well to make sure the sun's further enough around to at least, I know there's going to be some light coming into the area that I'm going to be shooting. Um, then, uh, you know, there's, for me, there's always, always, there's often a time factor as well because I have to, I do have to balance quite often leaving work driving to a location, walking to a location, being there in time, you know, at least an hour, 
yeah, an hour, 45 minutes before sunset, so I'm sort of going to get some sure. golden hour light, uh, and knowing that I could stay for this amount of time after sunset, then do the walk back, then do the drive back, etc. So all of that's going around my head with the weather conditions in the location. But once I get to the location, I generally do, <clears throat> I generally do two things. Number one, I get the camera out very quickly and I take a few shots. Almost, okay. almost like I don't, I don't really care what those shots, I'll never use them. I will never, ever use them. But I get the camera out and I take a few shots just because going through that process of getting the camera set up and taking the, couple, the first couple of shots, it, it almost relaxes me, I suppose. It always sort of says, right, okay, now I'm ready to take some photography. And now I'm ready to, to, uh, to do photography. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I used to get to it and I'd be wandering around looking for a right bit and then I'd get the camera, the camera out and then it wouldn't be right. And I found that if I went through that process, I, I came away almost with less good stuff. I like just to get the camera out, take the shots, assess the light, assess assess the conditions the sea often with the sea as well you know how much how much swells there you know is it yep, you know, yep. how feisty is it and all the rest of it i just take a couple of shots just you know a handful of shots 10 shots or something just to assess the, the conditions then it's the hunt then it's the you'll often find me with my all my gear set up stood next stood next to me um and i'm just standing there staring staring because mm -hmm. i'm looking what i'm looking at is i'm staring at the waves and watching the waves come in just watching them flow in across the rocks over yep. and over and over again because uh, and yeah you know as well as i do Grant, you know, it almost comes in, in it comes in um sets yeah sets doesn't it yeah exactly yeah. you know that you're going to get that, that that little bit of slack and then all of a sudden you're going to get two or three yeah. really big ones you know and you sit there and you watch it um and it's it's I, I go through that quite a lot actually just standing mm. with my camera and then i start the rock hopping process which is that that's the point of then sort of like leaping from rock to rock rock trying to find the right angle on on a set of rocks or yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or or into the distance because you know like i did say i am trying to be a little bit more i'm trying to use the, that closer crop now that's a slightly yep. longer lens and slightly closer crop so quite often i'm just trying to position myself to that subject that's in the that's off in the distance a little bit just to get a good angle where i can get the light falling the right way but this you know an awful lot of my shots and i've just like to sort of glance to my side to look at my instagram sort of feed and, and it is quite scary actually um an awful lot of my shots end up with um I end up with a bit of sky, a subject, and then a lot of the sea, actually. Because yeah. actually, that's what I love. I love a subject that's over there. I do love to see the motion of the ocean. I love to see the, 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 the movement and everything. So, yeah, there is a lot to be said about sitting and watching the ocean. Because you'd be amazed at the amount, well, you won't be amazed, but some people would be amazed, the amount of shapes that the, the the waves and 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 the shoreline can create for you depending Absolutely. on your shutter speed again you, know, you can you can craft shapes watching those waves come in and especially when you get sort of two waves slowly merging into each other when you slow the shutter down just you know, sort of one second 
or half second to one second to one and a half seconds, you can get some beautiful lines that that creates. Mm. And then that can transform what is a, a relatively flat scene in front of you into something that has an awful lot of shape and definition. Which is really Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've got the shot. Are you straight back home into editing or are you one to leave it and let it rest for a while and you'll come back to it later? I'm 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 a fifty I'm fifty fifty. So okay. my my process has changed quite a lot over the years. Um if I'm on a inverted commas big shoot, um then more often than not, I, I I'll let them sit. I'll let them sit and wait. If it's more of a ad hoc shoot, as in I've been out with the dog in the morning, mm. I actually edit those a lot quicker. Okay. Um, I think mainly because often, because they're a bit more ad hoc, I almost want to remember the moment a bit more because it's just another dog walk. You know, it is just another dog walk oh, with the dog oh. in the morning, and all of a sudden it's been amazing conditions. So what I'll, I'll even do then, um, I'll, I'll actually transfer the raw files from my from my camera to my phone and have them uploaded to my Lightroom before I even get home. Wow. Okay. So, um, so as I'm driving home, my camera is is downloading. Well, literally as I'm walking back to the car, I'll download them from my my camera onto my phone. Phone and then. then I'll import them into into Lightroom on my phone, mm. um, and then by the time I get home, they've all uploaded, um, and I can have a quick scan through at home and go, "Oh, I like this one. I like this one. I like this one." But that usually is just the sort of um, what's the right word? It's the the culling process. Yeah, you know, that, triage. That, you know, <laughs> triage, exactly. Yeah, where I, well, I'll go through and just go right. I've I've taken these fifty shots or twenty shots or ten shots, whatever it might be. I've uploaded them. Now I'm going to sift through those quickly in my Lightroom because sifting through on on a phone is not quite yeah, it doesn't cut it. Yeah. yeah, I like to sift through them on on, on the big screen. If I can. But then then it's almost like if there is a particularly good one in there, then I will probably let that sit. I don't mean a long time. I'm doing it wrong. I'm, I'm like every photographer. Every now and again, I'll go back through old stuff and have a look mm. through. Oh, well, like, oh, I missed that one first time around. Oh, good. And that's that's the fun of it, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but um, but I'm generally I generally try and edit within a couple of days. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, I like to remember the moment. I suppose and it'd be still fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it, yeah. Although. I suppose this time of the year, especially in the UK with the weather being like it is at the moment, um, I do find myself going through an awful lot of older stuff and and, and pining for de- for better conditions. <laughs> yeah. How did you learn your processing? Is that something that you taught yourself through YouTube or other things, or did you go through any formal education at all? Um, all, all self-taught, and actually, I would say an awful lot through trial and error. An awful okay. lot through trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's definitely some, you know, YouTubing and uh, and that and the like. Yeah, how do I how do I do that? You know? Yeah, I know what I want to do, but how I don't know how to do it exactly. Yeah. yeah, so so a particular technique or a particular thing, um, but the majority of it is is through trial and error. And mm. actually, you know, I, you know. 
think we all probably have done it at times. You know, you look back at some of your early work and you're always a bit heavy handed there. Oof. Yeah, always a bit overdone there. Ooh, that's a bit, oh. um, and your editing style changes, and and the, the tweaks that you add to things. I think also you, you know, the depth at which you which which you edit can change as well. You know, mm, mm. when you start off, you, you know, you, you, you're doing global changes to a, to an image just to bring bring it all up a little bit and apply a raw profile or something like that as a starting point, and that's it, and you're done. But then as you progress, you kind of are, oh, you, you know, you start thinking about the local adjustments into particular areas. I, I also find, uh, and, uh, I mean, you mentioned earlier about having to clone people out. I find I'm doing that more and more these days to clean up a photo, um, which I suppose you could argue is, is, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But it is what, but it is what happens. Um, and I, it's don't, not I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> no i don't either but but um so but i'm finding an awful lot more so even just on the coast i'm taking pictures of uh, of the sea um and there's little pebbles in there and it just draws my eye to it i was like no it's yeah. got to go it's got to go um uh, I, I took a picture not long ago um at a sunrise on, on boscombe beach just down the road from me and there's quite a lot of stones on the beach now, um, just small sort of pebbly stones in, in with the nice soft sand. And I looked at the image and I thought, there's just so many blinking stones here. And, and I ended up, it was one of those days, I don't know what was up with me, I was obviously on one. Um, and I ended up spending probably 20, 30 minutes just blipping out stones. Just, dip, dip, wow. dip. I, I mean, just because... I got into the mood of doing it. I don't know, but I, I ended up with a much cleaner image, and I, and I was very happy. With it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I think, I think, yeah. So I'm self-taught. A lot of it's through trial and error, and it continually changes. Right? You know, there, there are certain things which I always use. So I, I actually, I don't use Lightroom Classic very much anymore. I actually use the Lightroom CC an awful lot now. Just because of my workflow seems to work well with it because of the uploading from my phone, which uploads it to Adobe Cloud, yep. which then sticks it into um, Lightroom CC for me immediately without any faffing. Um, and then, you know, I, I, my general workflow is get it onto the, onto the PC, generally through uploading from my phone on the go. Um, once it's on the PC, triage, culling, get rid of all the dross, then I'll do my, I'll do a first edit in Lightroom. I usually then end up exporting it to Photoshop yep. um, to do further tweaks. Um, off, historically, that would be a lot of cleaning up. Although I've got to say the latest Lightroom updates for, for healing is just fantastic. It's all, yeah. almost, not quite, but almost to the level of um, Photoshop now. Um, yeah, they've come on. I still... They have, yeah. But then I do, um, I do still rely on uh, a few plugins which I always go back to in, in Photoshop, which I do like. I like launching them from Photoshop. Maybe I like having the layers and all the control that I have access to in Photoshop. It just, it just works, doesn't it? Um, and I think because of my Astro work, I learned a bit of Photoshop quite early in my in, in my career, I suppose, or, or in my. Yeah, right. In my life as a photographer, because you couldn't really do 
proper astro editing, just relying on Lightroom. You needed Photoshop as well with blending and all the rest of it. So I think that's what kind of took me that direction a little bit more. Yeah. You know, my understanding of layers and, and how to use them in Photoshop now, I, I, I do utilize them an awful lot. Um, but, and that comes back to the techie, you know, I suppose. I, I kind of enjoy it. Uh, you know, without a doubt, I kind of enjoy the editing process. It can be a ball ache at times, but when I'm on, when I'm on it, I can I can do some I can do some hour to a single photo, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, and, right. but I'll enjoy it. Uh, generally, I'll enjoy that hour because it's I'll, I'll be in the zone and that's it. I'm, I'm there. And yeah, I still do use a couple of plugins in Photoshop, which I do love. There's the um, the DXO. Um, uh, I can't remember what they were originally called. They were called something else originally. Um, set of plugins in Photoshop. Um, and then there's the, the Topaz Labs ones as well. They're, yeah, they're phenomenal. Yep. absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, the Topaz Labs sharpening and denoising. I, I've never, I, I haven't found anything else to that quality. They, they are, you know, okay, cost 100 quid, one off, but it's a one off cost. One off cost. That's and it. you can literally recover a lost shot from using those two. Those two. So for me, they're worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever hit a creative wall? And if so, how did you handle it? Yeah, all the time, all the time. Uh, it's it's continual, and I, I have creative walls that last month. I have creative mm. walls that last three months. I have creative walls. That last the day, you know, I, I just hit them. I think, like I said, I'm very critical of my work, and I do sure, sure. quite regularly. Um, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm in a bit of one at the moment, and hence why okay. I'm focusing on the printing side. Mm. So, and that's kind of how I handle it. Generally, I do something new. Yep. Um, it doesn't. Ha it's still related, but I but I do something new. Um, you know, it might be trying new technique or something, but at the moment I'm like, right, I'm a bit of a creative wall, but it's a bit crap as well. So let's let's almost forget about it. Let's just go right. Except I'm I'm there now at the moment. I need to do something different. So let's focus on the exhibition. Let's focus on doing some printing and learning that piece of piece of the the craft as well. And then I'll come back to the photography. You know, once the weather picks up a bit in a month's time. Mm. Um, I think I think we all hit that creative wall at some point. Um, you know, going somewhere different is always a good good way to to sort of like release it as well. I suppose, um, you know, just going to a new location and just going, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take some shots here. Although I would add, I've tried, I did once try that, and the weather was so bloody awful. But actually, it just made me even more grumpy, uh, you know, and, and uh, try something different. So yeah. on, on, in the main, you know, I, I, I try to do something linked to photography. It might be try some new editing, you know, some mm -hmm. different type of editing. Like I say, the moment with the printing um, or go to a new location, just just try something different and then come back to my, my I suppose, my my main craft and I usually find that that works enough for me it sort of mm. releases it and plugs it. it just depends how long that takes 
you decided to start doing your own printing. What drove that decision? Were you printing much work through external labs before or you didn't do much printing and you just decided to do that as a so, as a way of getting around a creative block, for example? It, it, well, it's a bit of everything. So I did do a lot of printing at the beginning of my sort of photography career you know people go can we buy a print I'm like, yeah absolutely you can buy a print of course you can and then i'll send it off to a lab and i'll get something back and i'll be like oh, oh, that paper's crap or mm, it's a bit yep. too dark mm, not so happy with that oh oh no look at that i've, I've left that in oh i should have edited that differently. yeah should have should have sorted that out yeah and and then you're in that space where you know for me it was the delay I, okay. I want yeah. I want the instantaneousness of it. So I would be sending something to a lab, then so you, you know you you'd send it to the lab or you know it's a relatively seamless thing these days, isn't it? You upload it online and off it goes. Yeah, a few days later, you get things you want in the mouth. Yeah. yeah, but it was a few days, and that used to wind me up. Secondly, I ended up it was very ad hoc as well, and people saying, "Oh, I want a print here," and then you end up paying. For postage all the time yeah yep. it, it was just it was just it wasn't an enjoyable process for me. and i actually found that i stopped selling prints because i wasn't enjoying the process yeah so actually so when people said do you sell prints i'm like no not at the moment um yeah. I, just, I just wasn't enjoying the, the process it was it, it felt like a chore a real real chore yeah. um so a bit of a creative block I talked about it for, for on and off for ages, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it now. And I've really enjoyed it, actually. I, I, no, I haven't invested heavily. I've invested a fair amount. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's not a cheap printer, but it's, you know, but with the, you know, a, a, just a, a set of ink, which doesn't last that long, it's about 120 quid, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's more, more the consumables than the, uh, yeah. the, the printer outline. Um, uh, I, <laughs> and the and the paper, you know, you can spend an absolute fortune on paper if you want. And don't get me wrong, I, yeah. I, I literally could. I, I do. I do wonder if there's gold in in some of those uh, mm. those, those rooms. But, <laughs> exactly, those sheets. It's like it's like tw- twenty five sheets for one hundred and fifty pounds. You think, hold on, but then actually, if you exactly, but then actually, when you go through the process and you think, well, hold on, well. Yeah, or let's say, say for argument's sake, it's £100 for 20 sheets, and you, or 25 sheets, and you go, well, okay, so that's £4 a sheet, okay? But actually, the quality of that paper is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm pr- and I am, I am printing it for a customer who's going to pay a lot more than £4 for it because yeah. they're paying for the process. So actually, £4 for a quality piece of paper compared to £1 for a mm. bit of paper then actually, then that's a good thing because then I will be giving somebody something that I'm really happy. And um, yeah, yeah and, you know, and, and that's the sort of position I'm in at the moment. So I've 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 had my printer now for a couple of months. I haven't actually relaunched my print my my print sales yet because I'm still tinkering, I'm still playing. I'm, you know, I've, I've, my house is now covered with various prints all over the place because I have I've been doing lots of test prints. Sure. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I'm really, really enjoying it, and seeing the difference that a, a paper can make, you know, and 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 also 
since I have calibrated my screens, going through that process, seeing the difference that the that my screen no, sort of my my photos look on my screens now is so much better. Um, yeah. Should add, I, you know, I, I am slightly different to the norm because I know an awful lot of um an awful lot of photographers are very much embedded in the Apple world. I'm very much embedded not in the Apple world. You know, I don't have anything Apple. I have yeah. Android phones. I have PCs. You know, and I, I you know, I. <laughs> I almost like being the underdog. <laughs> it's, actually, I quite enjoy it. You know, it's, it's, it's it, but there's no difference. In reality, there's no difference apart from maybe a thousand pounds. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's it. You, you're paying for how shiny it is. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, they do look nice. <laughs> they do. They do. What do you see as the future of photography? Funny, I was having a chat with a, a bloke at work about this not so long ago. We were talking about will it get to the point where actually you kind of you've got an AI algorithm that can that literally you can stand there and film. So essentially, you you you, you you're taking X many frames a second or, mm -hmm. or whatever, um, and then the AI will actually just pick the best one for you. And and present you with oh these are the best images. It's kind of happening already, you know. We know that you can already do like burst shots and then yep. pour them into Google and say show me the best one of these bursts, and it'll go yep this is your best burst, this is the best image, the most sharpest image, and or give you a ten or whatever the the, the the right thing. And I do think there's going to be an element where that's just going to get more and more and more. So that technology side, the algorithmic an AI side of, of, of providing you with the best image, I think will get more and more. I mean, I see the, the pure AI photos and AI art that's being generated now, which is, mm. which is, which is scary. I've got no issue with the using AI or, 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 or clever, clever algorithms to, to, to do the triaging, I suppose. Yep. and go through you know if i've taken 50 shots or if i'm a wildlife photographer and i've just burst shots a, a bird in flight and i've just taken 500 shots um and if i if i can press a button and it'll go through and it'll find me the best ones yeah reliably every the single time yeah? yeah i've got no issue with that no issue with that whatsoever when AI starts taking over and, and, and trying to actually generate an image from scratch, that's a little bit different. That's, mm. that, that's really quite strange, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping the human interaction element of, of photography will, will be required for many, 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 many years to come. Um, and I, and I, think I can't it, see that ever dropping away until you know, human use of cameras stops, but I, I can't see that. Um, but I, I mean, I, I admire some of what you can do if you're quite clever with your prompts. But again, to me, you, other than being clever with your prompts, 
And yeah, okay, you could take that out and play with it in Photoshop and enhance it and add or change or whatever and edit it to your, to your heart's content, or you could just take the output. But to me, that raw output of uh, an AI script is, I, I, I struggle to call it art. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. For, for me, it's more, I guess, I guess it's still a bit of a plaything and a bit of a toy at the moment. It's still, you know, and it's not well understood how how it could or couldn't be used. Though I could see people in the marketing industry sort of sidelining product photographers or portrait photographers or fashion photographers, for example. Um, but yeah, I'm I I don't see it eating too much into the landscape photography realm per se. I mean, unless there's duplicitous people that are passing AI-generated images off as photography, which you've seen a little bit of in Instagram and Twitter and, mm. and whatever if you've been around social media for the past sort of six months or so. Absolutely. It's a, you know, it, it does raise moral questions, uh, but also yeah, for me, I would, you know, if I consider myself an artist, which I, I struggle to, if I'm being brutally honest, I'm trying to, but I still struggle to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that is an all-encompassing process from start to finish, from the planning to the trip to the editing to the output. And mm. ultimately, if you do print, print the print as well, but at least to the output on screen. You know, that's a whole process, um, and and that in itself, you, know, you can't replace that with AI. You can't no. re- you can't replace you can't replace the the stress busting experience of going yeah. for a walk. I, I would much rather AI. pay an airfare and go to Iceland than type a few words into a keyboard and say, "Oh, I couldn't be bothered going to Iceland because I can get that lovely image of Vestrahorn, for yeah, example, absolutely. by typing yeah. in show me Vestrahorn." You know, yeah. <laughs> it is a stunning location, <laughs> and you need to experience it. You know, that, you need to stand exactly, in front of it and just yeah. go, "Wow!" The, the, the experience of standing there, being there, and I mean, it's also one of the reasons I, I was actually talking to Jordan Ingley. Uh, a short while ago um, about this and uh, I probably can't see myself ever buying a drone simply because I I might do it from a commercial standpoint for commercial work but for Mm -hmm. my artistic work, me standing in that point with a camera right in front of me has a real connection mentally for me this thing flying around over here that I'm looking at through a controller or a phone or whatever, it's, I can never be there unless I hire a helicopter or whatever, which, you know. Uh, I, I, you raise an interesting that, point. Dis, that disconnection is a struggle for me that I, I probably can't get over. And I, I love drone photography. I love the look of it, et cetera, and all power to people that do it because I admire their piloting skill. I admire their photographic compositional skills, et cetera. But again, they're not there. And so that disconnection still still sort of exists in my mind. 
Uh, absolutely. And, you know, like I said about my, my drone photography, you know, I, I don't do an awful lot of drone photography. I, mm. I love taking the videos as a, as, yeah, as a sort yeah. of like, oh, wow, that's a bit interesting. But actually, the, the images I get from are a few and far between that I'm really happy with. Um, I much, I much prefer the, my camera images. I, I do, um, and maybe that, maybe I'd never even put it in that way before. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's, it is that disconnect. Um, I do have a. This, I went to Corfe Castle on a misty morning, as I do regularly, um, not so long ago, um, and I had my drone with me and I have my camera. And it's the first time though that I've ever had. A, both a drone shot and a camera shot that I've been really, really happy with in the same day. Because um, the other thing I do find with the drone is you put the drone up, you've got to concentrate on the drone. You know, you're yeah, flying you can't a just leave device. It, forget, yeah. you can't, well, I mean, you can just leave it there and hover, and it, but but at the same time, you you know, if you've got to, you do have to concentrate on it. Every now and again, you, know, you put it up and you leave it there, and then you look down in your camera and take a picture of the camera and you back up. But I find if I'm in that mode, I'm taking two bad shots rather than taking one good shot. Because you're compromising because your concentration. And exactly, 100%. So I like to either fly the drone or I like to take pictures. So what I often end up doing is sort of if I am if I do have the drone with me, I will break it into maybe a you know a twenty minute thing. Well, twenty minutes I'll focus on the camera. Twenty minutes I'll fly the drone. Twenty minutes focus on the camera. Hmm. Um, Obviously, on a sunrise, you, at best, you've got two 20-minute windows on, on, on each, at best. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it, it, it is a hell of a balance. And I have found, actually, a couple of times, taking only the drone out with me because just to leave the camera home, just because I know I need to focus on getting yeah. better with handling the drone. And I know if the camera's there, I won't be concentrating on the drone as much. So, yeah, it's a... Drones are definitely, um, it's, it's a really interesting, um, it, it, they, they are a really interesting uh, format, medium, um, mm. a, a style, device, um, but they're not, they're, I still don't get the same buzz I get from getting a good picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are there any photographers out there that you think that uh, I should be talking to on the podcast? Oh, no, then. See, I think we all are aware of the big YouTube stars and all the rest of it, and they're all, sure, and they're all sure. great, and, and we, all, we, we all watch their stuff at different times. And I, I must say, I'm, I'm particularly... I, I don't... I, I don't watch a huge quantity of, of, of YouTube stuff, uh, YouTube content from photographers. I don't, I, it, it, fundamentally, I don't get excited about it. Mm. You know, I would much prefer to be on a shoot or editing my own shot watch somebody than else. watching somebody else on a shoot or editing their own shots. Yeah. You know, and yes, okay, it's okay from a learning point of view. And every now and again, I dip in and I'll maybe watch two episodes or three episodes or something. And then I don't I, mind it from a location, you know, add, add it to the list yeah, of locations. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, what I I love doing is making a connection with other photographers. Like, yeah. Just like we're doing today. This is this is great for me. This is about, you know, talking to another photographer about photography that this is fantastic. So, you know, some of my, some of my closest 
to say friends. No, they are friends, but closest acquaintances, the people that I talk to most regularly are people in other parts of the UK that are photographers mm. on Instagram, on social media, you know, because we have a connection. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, are some, there are some amazing photographers out there that, that don't have big followings or anything like that, but they just take such amazing photos and you just go, I'll doff my hat to you, sir. So the, the, there, there, are, there are many, many, many awesome photographers on Instagram um, and many people I'm lucky enough to call my friends. Um, there are a couple that I would wholeheartedly recommend just sure. because I think their work is always different. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a chap called um, Martin23. Don't know if you've come okay. across him. Um, he is a minimalist photographer. Um, he does long exposure minimalist stuff. His stuff is amazing. It, yeah. it is fantastic. He, he, he nails it every time, every single time. No, so I would... You know, if you want to see somebody that, that doesn't just take standard landscape stuff, just does a bit more of the minim- minimalist, long exposure stuff, mm. you know, and he, he freely admits he edits heavy as well. But but the out the the, the outputs are always fantastic, always always fantastic. Um, and then I have two good friends that are both Bristol based, um, so not far from from me, um, but um. We always try and meet up a couple of times a year just to say hello, and and I, I am always in awe of their work. So, and also, I don't think they're they're the, they're the biggest photographers in the UK by by any means, but I think they're always worth a look. So, there's a chap called Sam Binding. Okay, Sam Binding. Um, he's a really really good chap from from uh, from Bristol. Um, and then there's a chap called Doctor John Reese, who's actually like myself. Full, you know, he's 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 um. He's got a full-time job. He's a doctor, surprisingly. That's yep. what he's called, Dr. John Reese. Um, he's a full-time doctor, um, and he does photography very similar to me as a bit of a sideline, a bit of a release. And uh, he, he's just got he's, – he's one of those people who's got an eye for it. I, without yeah, a doubt, yeah. he is one of those people that can point a camera and it just takes a good photo. And, Fantastic. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I, so I think if you spoke to any one of those three, I think that would be really Brilliant. I've got them on the list. Thank you for that. I've got one more question. And uh, if you've listened before, you probably know what's coming and uh, everyone else knows what's coming. It's a very important issue that a lot of photographers want to get to the bottom of. Do you like pineapple on pizza? No, hate it. Okay. Absolutely hate it. (laughs) I think fruit I think fruit should remain in a fruit bowl, not on paper. <laughs> so that is my opinion. I think that's just the case of, to be, to be honest, I'm a very traditional pizza eater and I would gladly have just meat on the pizza, actually. Meat, cheese, tomato, and meat. And I'll be very Fair enough. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, as long as there's some spicy sauce as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. That goes without some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today, Tom. It's been absolutely wonderful getting to know you and your work a little bit better. Where can people find your work? Okay, so um, um, my main home is Instagram. So I'm Tom Ormrod on Instagram. Um, and um, I also have TomOrmrod.com, my website. And between those two, that's where I share the majority of my 
Facebook. There's, there's a Facebook page as well. There's a Vero page and there's a 500 pics page and all those other sides things as well. But reality is I'm still an Instagrammer at, at, at the heart with my website. And those are my two, my, my two main avenues. So nice and easy. Basically, you know, if, you, if you search for Tom Ormerod, um, Tom Ormerod Photography or anything like that, I, I'm pretty unique as in it's a pretty unique there's name. not many of you around not many of you <laughs> fantastic thank you very much tom cheers grants good to speak to you right thanks again for listening to landscape photography world i hope you enjoyed the show keep listening because i'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes you can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com i'm also on vero twitter youtube instagram and facebook I'm Grant Swinburne, hope to see you out shooting soon.